0: It is, um, this sermon is one that, that I, I need to put this little caveat in and just say that if you only take one sermon, sometimes we pull things out and then if they're standing on their own, it's like, oh, this seems a distortion, right? So you have to please take what I'm about to say in the totality of both my life and my preaching in the sense that I do believe firmly in the church. I have given most of my adult life to the church. I believe that the church is the body of Christ and that when we gather, Christ is present in us as we connect and reach each other, as we touch each other, that Christ is present in the church. But at the same time, this is my thesis statement, the church is not Jesus. Karl Barth was one of the foremost theologians of his time, one of the few uh, few Christians in, in a Christian Nazi Germany who saw the Reich for what it was, and he spoke prophetically against the marriage of church and state. Karl Barth wrote this once. Yeah, I, I love this picture. Hype. Uh, Karl Barth wrote, Salvation only comes through the true revelation of God. In which he shows and gives himself to us. Since attempts to save ourselves are doomed to failure, it is critical that we discover the locus of the divine salvific initiative. This is why Bart was very dense, and it's really hard to read church dogmatics if you ever sit down and want to. And he says once we discover where God has truly revealed his unique purposes, it would be folly to go elsewhere for salvation. What he means simply is that salvation comes through Jesus, who is the revelation of God, and once we know that, it's silly to look for salvation anywhere else. But this is where Bart gets really interesting from my perspective, because Bart drew a distinction between Christianity as a religion and the work of Jesus. In other words, it seems likely to me that Bart would actually deny, or Bart would actually deny that Christianity is the true religion. Rather, he argued that Christianity itself must come under the constant critique of the gospel, which makes sense because he was lodged within the German church that was deeply concerned with the way that the Protestant Christianity was unable to stand against Nazi ideologies. 90% of Germany in this time was Protestant and Catholic. So Bart was well aware of how religion even the Christian religion could become corrupted. He believed that and I quote the historic Christianity itself is a religion that must constantly come under the criticism of the gospel. In 1962 at Princeton Theological Seminary a student asked him sir, don't you think God has revealed himself in Sir, don't you think that God has revealed himself in other religions and not only in Christianity? And Bart replied, No. God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has revealed himself in his Son. So instead of Christianity as the climax of religion, Bart contrasts with Revelation. He says, Because of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, Christianity is the locus of true religion. In the event of Jesus Christ, God uniquely provides and reveals the means of our reconciliation with God, and revelation not only destroys religion, but it creates true religion. And so Barth essentially is arguing that God reveals himself in Jesus, invites us to know Jesus, and in doing so, be reconciled to God. And so it would be a mistake to look for salvation or God anywhere else but in Jesus. I don't know about you, but this, to me, is a compelling argument. It is actually, for me, the most compelling argument for the question, don't all religions lead to God? No. Jesus leads. There is a uniqueness in the Jesus and the Jesus event, and that is why I am not a pluralist. It's why I do not believe that all religions lead to God. Because no religion leads to God, not even Christianity. Only Jesus leads us to God, and only in Jesus do we find salvation. And so there's a lot of things to unpack there, but my point is actually not to talk about pluralism or other religions, rather, I bring this up because I think that making this distinction should free us to acknowledge the brokenness and the failure of the institutional church and the ways in which it often lets us down. The theologian Phyllis Tickle once said that the church has a rummage sale every 500 years. She noticed that there's a trend throughout the history of church that every 500 years or so... There's a a shaking up, a a cleaning house of theologies and practices and institutions that have become burdens for the church. Our practices, our theologies, our church structures are not infallible. In fact, Article 4 of our Confession of Faith in the MB denomination says that, that even our churches and religious institutions can become corrupted and come under the influence of sin. Our confession of faith tells us that we know that this has happened when people turn away from holiness, justice, and righteousness. You only need to log in to the news to see the never-ending stories of failure of the church. This week, two more mega-pastors came under scrutiny for improper behavior. In fact, it's so often that I personally have just become numb to both pastoral Failures and institutional church failures. Nothing shocks me anymore. Camps, schools, pastors, churches have all failed to protect and care and love people that they were supposed to. And while these things don't shock me anymore, if I'm honest, there are times when it makes me wonder why I call myself a Christian. It makes me wonder why I give time and invest the church wouldn't it be easier to walk away politicking bad decisions that cover leadership hurt members are far too common in the church this one included this site included none of us escaped So depending on your personality, and I know a bunch of you here, depending on your personality, you're going to have different reactions. right? Some people, their reaction is, well, we need to trust our leadership. Surely they're godly, we should lean in and trust them more, and and they'll lead us through. Other people are running around trying to tend to the wounded and those that have been hurt. Some of us, myself, probably, just say burn the whole thing down anything comes up new, so be it. And others, unable to handle the pain anymore, leave. We all have reactions to the hurts that we experience in the church, which is why my pastoral word to all of you is, the church isn't Jesus. Christianity isn't. There is no salvation from the church, and even Christianity, even our churches, our institutions, must stand under and be transformed by the good news of Jesus. The way things were, the way things are, the way things will be, it's all in flux. It will all change, and so my hope and prayer is that during each rummage sale, God will purify the church, give it new life, and make it better than it was. And that's why yesterday I was drawn to 1 John. 1 John 5, 1 verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way that he is in the light, We have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. And if we claim we have never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is about us personally, that's how I read this as a kid, as a young teenager reading my Bible, I was like, oh man, I got I to gotta make sure that I'm like admitting this and that I'm living this out. It, it's a personal word to me, you know, to be in the light, to live humbly, to acknowledge that, that I need God's forgiveness. I, I don't want to make God a liar by claiming that I personally don't sin. But this passage is also corporate. This is a word to the church as well. If the church says, we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if the church confesses our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of everything we've done wrong. Pastor Nadia Bowles Weber once wrote, every human community will disappoint us regardless of how well-intentioned or inclusive. We all let each other down. We all sin. We make a mess of what is supposed to be the beautiful community of God. We pick up bad policies, bad leaders, bad theologies, bad habits, bad practices in our personal lives and our corporate lives. I heard N.T. Wright suggest once that it takes about 100 years for a theology to really bear fruit. It makes sense to me. Anselm was a, a priest who created the satisfaction theory of atonement. It made sense in his historical context that he lived and preached and taught in. It worked. Over years, it was tweaked until it became what I believe is a distortion, that we call penal satisfaction atonement. The fruit took time to sour, but eventually it did. Sometimes our motives are good. Bill Bright created the four spiritual laws. He had good intentions. It was an effective way of talking about Jesus to a generation that needed to hear about how Jesus could fix their rebellion. Unfortunately, today, some have mistaken this four spiritual laws or a Romans road as this, mistaken it as the roadmap to heaven, and that is the gospel opposed to part of the gospel. We see the the sickness that comes from missing this mark, perhaps most clearly in how we fail in many churches to see how social justice and the gospel are the same work. Because it's only about getting your soul. Other times the fruit was bad from the start, when the Bible has been used to justify slavery, colonization, misogyny, nationalism, extreme wealth, and war. Maybe we call out the evil when we see it. Or maybe we genuinely believe that what we're doing is right, but our children or their children's children will one day be left with practices, beliefs, theologies that are damaging. And it would seem to me that this is the reality of being human. It's unavoidable because we are broken, but the good news is Jesus isn't the church. Rather, Jesus bears our sin, the false images of him that we create, and he continues to work with us, refine us, change us, transform us. It saddens me to know that at some point, Sight will let you down. We can do the best that we can We can set up good policies, good guardrails to keep us close to Jesus. But at some point, even those of you who have found this to be the sort of place you want, the community you love, at some point we will disappoint you. At some point, someone or something will hurt you. We will sin against. so when this happens please remember the church isn't Jesus because Jesus won't hurt you Jesus won't abandon you the church isn't the pure religion it isn't the gospel and only Jesus can save and only Jesus is good news one of the interesting things about this new organizing of how we lead services that I, I don't know what other people are going to say or what they choose. And so even today, Marianne choosing to read from Matthew, I was like, yes. Are you tired and burned out on religion? Are you tired and burned out on the church? Jesus' invitation has come to me, live freely and lightly. Jesus will not place the heavy burden on you. Jesus will not harm you. At the same time, this doesn't mean that we just throw up our hands and run before we are hurt. It doesn't mean that we are complacent because this is also a call for us to do our best and to do better. Five times in 1 John 1, he uses the word if. If you do this, If you do this, which indicates to me that we are not forced one way or the other. This is not a fatalistic. We are just going to mess up. Yes, we will probably sin. But there is the real possibility of humbly walking in the light, of having no darkness, of acting truthfully, of being cleansed by Jesus, of not being self-deceived, and of having the truth in us. John calls us to be that kind of community. This is not a passage, a story of doomed resignation that everything must be fallen. Rather, it's the sharp warning to each of us to keep ourselves humble, to be alert to the ways in which darkness can deceive us and even deceive the church. Because the church isn't Jesus, but we can, because the church isn't Jesus, we can offer the prophetic critique We can call for repentance of those in the church. We can shine a light on the places where darkness seems to be growing. We can call out unhealthy patterns of behavior. The church isn't perfect. The church can repent. The theologies and policies can be changed. And like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Menno Simons, John Wesley, Lucy Farrell, we can stand up and we can speak for the change and we can live differently. And we can ask the church to do better because the church isn't you every community will disappoint but John calls you and I to be humble to be aware of that temptation to be quick to acknowledge our sin to listen when people come to us and express their hurts in the ways in which we have wounded them and so more than anything else as a leader in this congregation I want to be the sort of leader who is not afraid of the light. Even if it means confronting the darkness. And I hope that you want that as well. There's a great line in the new uh, Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings series that I've been watching. Galadriel says, evil does not sleep, Elrond, it waits. And, the moment of our, and in the moment of our complacency it blinds us. Evil does not sleep all around, it waits. And in the moment of our complacency, it blinds us. The scripture is clear that our enemy is seeking to lead us away from holiness and justice and righteousness in our lives and in the church. And when we become complacent in our lives, in our community, we become blind, just like the people that John wrote to. They were so deceived that they could no longer see that they were liars. They were so deceived that they could no longer see that the truth was not in them. And then he calls them back to step into the light. And so if you are tired, if you are burned out on religion, on institutions, let me call you back to Jesus. Jesus will not burden you. Jesus will not hurt you. Jesus calls you to live freely and lightly. His way is love. If you feel like giving up, if you feel like running away, if you feel like burning it all down to the ground, I just invite you to hold on to Jesus' in that as he holds on to you. Amen.